identity is a big question and there are many factors that contribute to what I may think of myself or what I may term myself as. It's interesting in the world in which we live there are so many things now telling us who we are and how we should look and what we should say and how much money we should have and how we should be built and there's all these kind of narratives about if you just do this, if you just get that. And this week, I lost a beloved uncle. And I could not make it to his tangi. For those of you who perhaps have never heard the word tangi, it's a tangihanga, or, or a funeral ritual in Māori. And when I was young, he was very close to my father, his brother. And my dad passed away in 1998. As I'm recording this, I'm almost, well, a month away from being 51. And my dad's been gone a long time. Actually, my father's been gone longer than I knew him, which is an odd thing when you think about it. I'm also older than he ever lived to be, which is also another crazy thing to consider. And oftentimes I think I identify myself with where my family come from and who they are and how they speak and what they say and our last names or our first names or who we look like or who we sound like. And you know what it's like, there's no shortage of aunties and uncles or friends or whoever telling you who you look like and who you remind them of hey, you're getting so much more like your mother or your father or you must be so-and-so's brother or sister. And it almost seems as though people want to impose their own narrative upon you because they want you to fit some kind of preconceived mould. For Indigenous people or for this Indigenous person, it's never been an easy thing because there are so many things which contribute to what I think and feel about myself. The biggest struggle is to find that self-love that we always talk about, which is really elusive. It's something that you know we search all our lives for. And I think it's something that if we're human and we're honest, we search in other people's lives and we search for people who will give us that sense of ourselves, or that car, or that house, or that job, or that money. And I know for me that stuff has seldom worked. Identity is usually something, I think, that is defined in reference to something else. For me as an Indigenous man, my identity is defined by who came before me and what I'm doing to try and clear the way for who comes after me. And people who I most admire in terms of the way they think and look at the world, think in generations, think in hundreds of years, as opposed to decades. They may even think in thousands of years. Because we're at the tip of a triangle, a tip of a spear, if you like that analogy, or that metaphor. And there's so much behind us, there's so much to bring forward and so much to remember. And I know sometimes I get lost. I get lost in all that information that I take in and all these things that I see 
and all those unconscious things that are kind of bombarding me from the moment I wake up in the morning and my identity gets lost. As I said before, that self-love thing is a really important but a very elusive thing. I am trying to find a way to treat myself as someone I really like as opposed to someone I really don't or that I can bear to be around for a few minutes. <laughs> and for Indigenous people, in my experience, there's a lot of factors that go into why we don't feel that self-love right away. And more so now than in either any other time in history, and maybe because I'm getting older, maybe because I'm an old fart, there are so many things that tell us how we should think and feel and act. And there's all these boundaries and there's all these things which are kind of imposed upon us. And I saw something interesting today and it was talking about airspace. This particular country was talking about, oh, it's airspace. This is our airspace. Or these are such and such waters. This country, so we'll call the country Americana. <laughs> Americana. Salov. Americana Salov is this huge country and it talks about its airspace. Does that mean it owns the air? It talks about its its waters. Does that mean it owns the sea? Very interesting thing how we define ourselves in reference to other things. Do we define ourselves by what we own? For me, I think that we don't own anything. There's nothing that we can hold on to for any period of time, but there are things that we can do to make sure for the period of time that we're here, that it has meaning, and that we're able to touch some lives and really connect to each other in ways that are tangible, that outlive us, that have meaning. My uncle was very much like my father. And when I got time to visit with him and my family felt the same, my siblings, it was like we had a dad back because there were gestures and ways of looking and holding hands and physicality and all these sorts of things that felt like our father was there. And we had time with our father and I don't think my uncle ever knew that. He was a man with his own mana. He wasn't there to be an avatar for our dad. But I realised how much I define myself by my family and by the people I love. And I think it's a great metric. I don't mean that in terms of worth. I don't mean in terms of some weird kind of measuring competition about who's the coolest and who's the biggest and who's the tallest and who's the biggest and who's the baddest and who's got the most talent or the most money, all those sorts of things. I think as you get older, you start to look around and realise there are people that are always going to be in our lives. There are people that are always going to be in your life. And sometimes the identity that I have, like say for my brothers and sisters, I always had this idea of the perfect family. And that's not what my upbringing was. And so when my sense of identity around my family, around my whānau, 
her mind was challenged. Couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it. In the last couple of years, what I've learned how to do is to meet my family where they're at. To not impose what I think our identity should be upon them because I guess that's sort of, in basic terms, a way of colonising my own family. Placing upon them ideals that are perhaps not their own and don't fit. And I'm finding that I'm a lot happier when I meet people where they are. And I'm not saying above or below me, I'm saying meeting people where they are. There are some members of my family who show their love through the preparation of food, but you can't talk about emotions with them. There are some people that you can sit down and have a talk and have a good cry with. And then there's those that you can't do either. My identity is derived not from the things that I own, because those things are just all illusions that I create in my mind that create the illusion of permanence. No. It's who I love and who I am lucky enough to be loved by. Past, present and future. And I think that's the metric that I want to go forward with when it comes to identity. When it comes to identity, who do you love? Who do you care about? Who cares about you? Because the rest is bullshit. As far as I can see, the rest is an illusion. You think about it, at school there are people that you know you would have gone to the war for. And now you can't even remember their names. And you may not have even want to say hello to them when you see them on the street. Life is kind of the series of stages. In Māori, you know, the pipi, the baby, you know, um, and then tamariki, you know, the little, the little child. And they're just learning to walk and talk and so on and so forth. And then you've got the rangatahi, you know, the, the teenager stage, I guess. And then you've got the pākeke, the adult. Then you've got the kaumātua, the elder. And I think at certain times we can be all of these things. And I think, depending on how you've grown up and what you think and how you feel, life can make you take on these roles. I know plenty of people that were kaumātua, that were elders because of their life experience way too young. And they never got an opportunity to be the pepe or the tamariki, the baby or the young person. And I think that when we take time to reflect on these things, we figure out who we are. But the question is, can we get quiet enough to hear our own voice? I don't know. I don't know. With all these things telling us who we are, what are you doing? What am I doing? What are we doing to make sure that we figure out who we are and that it lands upon us like a feather cloak? How's that? A quarter way. It lands on our shoulders and that we're able to see it and experience it, but I have a feeling we can't rush, we can't rush the process. 
So if you're rushing the process, I think you may be shit out of luck. I know I have been. I am by no means a perfect person and I've made my mistakes and when I've made mistakes I've always had an ability to make really, really big ones. And the hardest part about that is finding forgiveness for that as well. Other people forgive me for my shortcomings and my mistakes and my lack of character at times in my life but it's hard to find that forgiveness in myself but that's not me too, that's just something I did. So. The point being is, are you going to continue to be someone you're not? Or are you going to let it all go and just be who you've always been and who you've always meant to be? Well, wait, wait.